1: You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network.
2: Thank you, British lady. Pretty sure she's British. Dan, confirm on that. Is she English, that lady? I believe she was Australian she was or Australia. British. Really? I'm dating an Australian. That doesn't sound anything like her. She's from some kind of colony, I assume. By the British, Cam. Wait, the, I don't. I don't know if the British are a colony. She's a member of it the Commonwealth. <laughs> <laughs> Would you consider England a colony? <laughs> yes, yes. England is a colony uh, under the lands that McDavid runs. Now, uh, this is episode thirteen of Oilers Nation Radio. It is a podcast that is not on the radio. That's why Cam likes the joke. We've got new microphones today, so we'll see if anybody notices the difference. I'm looking around. We've got new microphones. Cam's got this, like, spit guard thing in front of him. So I can't Dan. see anyone. They look like they're ready to drop a verse. <laughs> I I'm am. looking across at Corey O. from Sherwood Ford. The Giant is sitting in with us today. What's
1: up, guys? Good to
2: be here. You'll recognize Corey O. from his game day videos. We'll be retweeting those. He'll be yelling about the Oilers. Getting in the mix with us on game days. I like it. Corey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing excellent. Good, good, good. Welcome welcome to the table chris is sitting out we punted chris today we did chris is out Corey's in here I we like, go i like it better i like it better <laughs> we actually should have got you in on the uh november with us Corey. because looking at you you can probably grow something look at dan's november update Ooh, That's rough. that does not That's look rough. good
1: buddy yeah. i could grow one i could grow a thick one but you know what it's kind of scary Honestly,
2: <laughs> I think it looked great. Uh, episode 13, of course, brought to you by Sherwood Ford, the giant. Our friends at Sherwood Ford are doing stuff, a giant truck event. Corey, can you tell us a little bit about yeah, what's that's going right. On, huh?
1: Yeah, we're, uh, we're supporting the Strathcona Christmas Bureau till the uh, end of the month. So anybody that comes in for a test drive, we're giving uh, toys to the kids. So great cause. Uh, all you got to do is pop in, do a quick test drive on an F-150 Mustang, whatever
2: you choose, and we're going to toss a toy to the kids. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. You can go see them at 2540 Broadmoor Boulevard in Sherwood Park, Alberta. Give them a call at 587-860-1538. Daniel, it was a big week. Big week in oil oil country. It was. First of all, before we get to the news from Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. we went to Calgary last weekend. I want to just recap that trip real quick. Confirmed. Uh, Apologies to the Flames fans that had to listen to me screaming at them in the VIP lounge. What I noticed was that they are all out of my age range, Cam. A, lot, they, of, a lot of golden age residents in there. Oh, they're, part of the,
3: they're part of the uh, Emerald Club at um, Humpty's.
2: They were trying to enjoy a, a nice roast beef sandwich. And I was trying to enjoy Connor McDavid's Goal. So they're definitely listening to this podcast. Of course. Guaranteed. Of course they're listening.
3: What about the, uh, I think we also need to hand out another apology to Singapore Sam's.
2: Singapore Sam's is, if you don't know, Singapore Sam's is a place that sells Chinese, it's a Chinese food restaurant that turns into like a (laughs) weird club type scene. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a group
3: music session.
2: Yes. It's like a studio. Yes. So basically they're pumping tunes by about midnight. And everybody just turns into an animal. They let go of their primal selves. They are banging on tables. They've got chopsticks coming in. Wanya just walked in the door. He's supervising the the podcast today. Wanya, you'll look around. You'll see new microphones everywhere. Real-life podcast on Mondays. We will have new microphones for Wanya to yell in. Uh, yeah, back to Singapore, Sam's. Cam, you probably broke two dozen chopsticks. Yeah, they, that's low. That's was, low.
3: That, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a very conservative estimate. I think I broke six hundred.
2: All I, what my think, I think my favorite part about it was when the manager guy would just kind of walk out from the back with his arms crossed, surveying the scene, and just looking really angry about life.
3: I went up to a table where people were just sitting there. and They were the only <laughs> chopsticks I could find, and I rounded up all the chopsticks, <laughs> and I was just like. Just wait,
2: I, we just need these. And they're like, what? Could you imagine going in there like <laughs> you're just like, oh, this place is open late. That looks great. I'll, I'll score some Chinese food. I could really go for some Szechuan beef or something like that. Then all of a sudden, everybody's laying a beat down on the table. Chris is standing up. He met some uh, ladies of a certain vintage. They wanted him over at their table. Chris looks great with his Not even just costache. at their table. They wanted him back at their hotel room. Well, Chris was the feast and they had hungry eyes, if you will. So... Shout out to everybody that came on the nation road trip. It was a fantastic time. Huge shout out to our bus driver, Barry. Yes, Barry saved our life. (laughs) Kept us alive, Barry saved our life. Uh, There's a couple things from the bus ride. First of all, as we're leaving Edmonton, Rick, who's sitting behind me, spots an absolute legend. Rick, I'll let you
0: tell the story. Just looking out the window, trying to enjoy the scenery as we uh, leave the city. And up beside us comes a guy dunking what looked to be a McNugget into one of two or three sauces he had open on his dash. That was, we enjoyed that. So I kind of zoomed in a little bit and uh, right beside the sauces was a plate of chicken wing bones. Nice. It was like old- this dude, this dude tore down a pound or two of wings and got himself some nuggets. Who sells both in one place? He made two stops. He's like, I'm going to Calgary. I need a, I need a couple pounds of wings and a 10-piece t- nuggets, and I'm ready to roll. I could have used some nuggets on the bus, to be fair. I think we should have brought that guy on the bus. Yeah,
1: that guy's a professional right there. Wow.
0: And just a quick uh, apology to everybody around Hotel Room 1903. Was it the one where we got in a little bit of trouble sure there? It was. Maybe we were a little, a little too loud, I think that was. Yep. Four o'clock in the morning. A lot of B-cast. flights going out in the morning. Trying to get into that uh, can of beats. That was a, that was interesting.
2: So obviously the Oilers lost to Calgary on Saturday. So I had to go do a beat cast. We were, we had things to do. We went to Knoxville's real quick. We went to Singapore Sam's. We were trying to get into a karaoke bar. That didn't happen. By the time I got back to the hotel room again, 1903, (laughs) it was 3am. Dan's already sleeping and we roll in with 10 people. (laughs) And I have no can opener. So I, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I can't do a B cast. I got no can opener. Evan, the intern, is just like, no, I, I got this. Give me the can. And then Chris hands him a coat hanger. So all we hear is like a from the bathroom. And I'm like, what is going on in there? I go in and Evan is smashing the top of the can with a coat hanger. And he's he also so
3: happy with himself. He was also completely naked. That was one of the terrifying things is he had blood red eyes. I don't know when it happened. None of his have, clothes were on. He's slamming it. I see him trying to open it with his teeth. He did have a nation flag draped around his shoulders. It yeah, was right. jarring.
2: And Evan, the Mark. intern, is a caveman. Yeah. He, he he got primal there. He because went to a dark I walked into the bathroom and there was beet juice everywhere. Like a war zone. You know what it looked like? It looked like a uh, Dexter kind of recreation. That's yep. what it looked like. Yep. Dan... Evan told us you missed all this while well, you were kind of awake. You were in I and out. I was there. I was listening. But Evan told us that he cleaned up the bathroom, and what happened when you went into our bathroom the next morning? He did not. <laughs> there was there was beet juice <laughs> on the shower curtain.
5: There was beet juice on the toilet. There was beet juice out by the coffee machine. I don't even know how he did that. But uh, I ended up leaving the maid a, a hefty tip. A little bit of to make tip. sure. Uh, just, a- just to make sure that the you know. The complaints didn't flow down too far from floor 19.
2: Just a quick apology. Yeah. You know, again, though, Dan brought up Barry, the bus driver. He saved our life. There was almost, there was some kind of accident on the highway. He was an absolute professional, Dan. Chris and I were handing out beers on our licensed bus. Yep. So we were walking up the aisle and all of a sudden I hear Lisa Evans from Hot 107 screaming like a bellowing scream. Yeah. It's one of those
5: things that, you, I don't think people half the bus appreciated how close to death we were. Um, if you've ever driven between Edmonton and Calgary, you've experienced this before, where you come up over that hill and you just see brake lights everywhere. And uh, you know when you're trying to stop a bus full of Oiler fans, that's a that's a tough thing to do.
0: Barry did a great job. Everyone seemed to be just slamming on their brakes and yep. sliding a bit. This yep. little hatchback yep. came within about a foot and a half of hitting right underneath. Yours in my seat. That was the source of that was the source of Lisa's scream. Nobody she, realizes how close this was. Yeah, like I was, was watching. That guy was in like a within a foot. It was within a foot. Exactly. And he would have been in the luggage compartment in no time.
3: Yeah. That that highway was a game of snakes and ladders, and Barry navigated it with the utmost grace. So it well, took he us. Swer- he
0: swerved around everything. We didn't slide one bit. It
5: took us six and a half hours to get down to Calgary. <laughs> that was a long bus ride. Wow. On a bus trip, yeah, with a bunch of.
0: And we're, and we're still looking for that drinking. 20 bucks though,
5: aren't we? We are. Yeah. Jay, Jay owes us money from our no wins in wind kit. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. So we uh, decided to play a little bit of, uh, we pulled some money, playing some slots. Corey, we decided if we all throw in together, maximize our chances of winning. We came out, uh, not quite even. and Then Jay pocketed all the cash. Yep. We'll take care of you guys when we get to the rink. No yes. problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
5: I'll take care of you guys on the trip home when we stop at No, How
1: how was that Um, ride home? Was that a quiet one or what? It was
2: a quiet (laughs) ride home. Not a peep. It was a very quiet ride home. And then Oilers come home Sunday night playing Vegas. Brutal. Although, although, to be fair, first period, they're up 2-1. I'm like, okay, okay. Looking good, yeah. Maybe we got something going here. Maybe they're pissed off after last night's game in Calgary. We're going to knock this out. Corey, that didn't happen. No,
1: no. That turned ugly very quick. Last 40 minutes of Todd's career was not a pretty one.
2: Fair enough. Last 40 minutes of think Todd's career. Way. Yeah, that's tough. Wow. So we all come into, we're on our way into the office here at Nation HQ on Tuesday morning, and all of a sudden my phone erupts. Yeah. What happened? What happened? All of a sudden, Ken Hitchcock. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ken Hitchcock coming out of retirement. Coming to save us, Corey. What do you think when you first saw the news that Hitchcock was coming in? Like, did anybody think that he was coming? Did
1: anybody? Everybody, of Didn't course, is talking about Joe Clenville. Maybe of course a couple of the boys that are assistants here, but I mean to see Kenny Hitchcock get hired with the Oilers? Yeah. That's amazing. At first you think, geez, this guy actually is still in the league? What, what's going on here? Then you find out he's uh uh still with the Dallas organization. Yeah, he's a consultant there. Consultant over there and wants to be back behind the bench, and you start hearing his interviews and Wow, what a breath of fresh air, isn't it?
2: It, It's crazy. Yesterday, he was on, I think it was yesterday, he was on Bob McCown's show, uh, that radio show that they film, and the dude's always wearing sunglasses. He was talking about how, if it wasn't the Oilers, he would have just stayed doing what he was doing. But it was because it was his hometown, he felt, uh, obviously, his roots are very deep in the community, worked at United Cycle, he started his coaching in Sherwood Park, you know what I mean? It goes he's way also, back.
3: He's got that connection too with uh Bob Nicholson and Kevin Lowe from the hockey Canada days. And it feels like this was not a Chirelli decision.
2: Well, that was my question, Cam, because he said in the interview that he spoke most mostly to Peter Chiarelli. uh They were together, they worked together in Sochi. However, I am with you where I think this is more of a Bobby thing. This is more of a Uncle Wayne called. Uh, I was surprised. I was surprised, but. I personally don't think it was necessarily a Shirelli move. Dan thoughts.
5: No, I agree. It, it's uh Shirelli, this, this move with the, with the interim tag attached to it there, where uh, at the end of the season, both parties can kind of decide to part ways or, or continue on. I think that that screams a new GM
1: coming in, uh, at the end of the year.
2: Yeah, let him pick his guy. Corey, what do you think? I mean, of course, if
1: he has success, then I could see Ken staying long term. Honestly, by the sounds of it, he wants to be behind the bench. He's comfortable behind the bench. And I mean, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We're Oilers fans, but I might say this might be the best organizational move that we've ever made. It's one of
2: those ones, too. Like when you look into what Hitchcock provides his teams. Yeah. Uh, I've got some numbers that we're going to get into of when he steps into a team, exactly what happens to their defense. But this is one of those things where I think that this is a guy that's going to push this roster. I think it's a flawed roster. Shirelli probably has some holes there that he should have filled slash not traded slash not bought out. There's a whole laundry list here, but who can get the most out of the roster right now? Probably Ken Hitchcock. And he's going to be pushing. He's going to be prodding. He's going to be probing. And he's not going to take any shit from anybody. Regardless of who it is on the team, Cam, do you think that I know? As soon as this <clears throat> happened, you were excited. I was excited.
3: I uh, I think you you older gentlemen, you you pre millennials, like I I <laughs> see it, it's it's more interesting for you guys to see Ken Hitchcock because you guys all watched the '90s Oilers, the really good Dallas Stars teams. I didn't. I I don't have a memory of those times. But you look back at the the the, the players he developed, and I would love to see McDavid kind of round out his game and become a Mike Medano. Like Mike Medano became a consistent Selkie candidate and he still scored 90 points a year in the dead puck era. I'd love to see Jesse Pouyarby become a Yuri Letnin or Oscar Klefbaum become Sergei Zubov. Like um he's got a he's got a great history of developing players into like really well-rounded stars.
2: Who do you think, I'll go around the table here too, uh who do you think is going to benefit the most from having a guy like Hitchcock poking and prodding and pushing uh, Dan, what do you think?
5: I think a guy like Darnell Nurse is gonna is gonna really benefit from this. I think he's I think he's a Hitchcock type guy, and I think he's gonna get all the uh, opportunities to succeed.
1: Corey, what do you think? You know, uh, in all honesty, I think the whole team in the collective is gonna learn some defensive play. They all have a lot to prove right now for a new coach. But I hope it's Lucic. I really do hope it's Lucic. I mean, what, what do we have to lose at this point? He's got to get better. I'm sure he'll get better. And uh, I mean, Ken mentioned that too on Bottom Count Show that between him and Cassian, those are two guys that he's going to start with, right? And they should be easy fixes, hopefully quickly, and then we can get him going, right?
2: I thought one of the interesting things too was he obviously is doing the tour de force right now in the press, but I thought one of the interesting quotes he had was yesterday when he talked to the Edmonton media, he did a little scrum where he talked about, he was asked his approach to offensive creativity and whether he's going to stifle guys like McDavid, which is absurd. But his answer was, when you have the puck, that's for you. But when you don't, that's for us and there's no negotiation. So, I like the idea of him having a strict plan in place on the defensive side of the puck and then just letting the horses go, man. Sometimes yeah. the pony's got to gallop, Dan.
5: Yeah, and that's been that's been a thing that that they talk about even just with the North American game just taking a lot of the creativity out of the game, that if you let these guys, these kids just do what they want to do when they have the puck, that's huge for them.
0: It's crazy to think, but I think it's actually going to help someone like Connor the most he's going to get that support around him connor's going to get a little bit of weight off his shoulders and his game is going to open up even more knowing that he can just go out there and do connor things rather than try and drag the entire organization he's going to get everyone behind him moving. we're going to move as a as a a team and connor is going to absolutely take off yeah it's it's uh
5: it's one of those things and it was floated around when hitchcock was first announced that He's just going to stifle our
3: offense which is just
2: floated around by one guy. Yeah, exactly. He's going to tell McDavid you're not allowed to pass the center line. You're back yeah. there. You're a rover. Puck steep. Yeah, puck steep. Okay. You know He's going to turn
3: McDavid into a defenseman. He's
2: going to play there on the second pair with Chris Russell. <laughs> I just uh I thought it was super interesting. I, I, he says all the right things and anytime he speaks you're just like, "Man, I believe everything you're 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 selling me here, Hitch." He could literally sell me anything. He could sell me
3: um he could sell me a house right now. I don't have any money. And I would just dive right into a mortgage. I'd
2: be like, you know what, Hitch? Fuck yeah, let's do it. First segment of the podcast, as always, brought to you by our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant, 2540 Broadmoor Boulevard in Sherwood Park, Alberta. They are stuffing a giant truck full of toys. And as Corey mentioned earlier in the podcast, going down for a test drive. Get down there. Come on down. Let's have some fun. Let's talk some oilers, drive a truck, drive a car. You're telling me that you wouldn't want to go test drive an F-150 today? Get out of here. Seriously. Get out of here. I want to do it right now. Of course you do.
1: Got one out front. Nation They're trucks
2: off. parked out front. Looks great. I see it from space. <laughs> I love it. You can't test drive that one, but Sherwood Ford will let you test drive other ones. Go on. Uh, go check something out. Maybe go talk to Victoria. She's available right now at SherwoodFord.ca. She's ready to help. They're they have, ready to help.
3: They have a Super Nintendo at Sherwood Ford. Me and Chris went there to film a video, play a little bit of Mario Brothers Two. Wow, is that
2: you guys have a you have a Super Nintendo they, there? Of course this we movie. do. We work hard. <laughs> work hard. Play hard.
3: Well, speaking <laughs> speaking of which, you
2: get an of hour on the Super Nintendo. Let's do it. Right. Speaking of which, how much obviously all season long, we're doing the Frank versus Gus dog picks. What I want to know is how much work gets done when Gus is around.
1: Not a lot. Not a lot. He's obviously there to distract us a little bit from the nine to five grind, but he's the director smiles, man. That's what he does. He does he a great job. He's motivated. Of it. He's amazing at it. He Does a great
2: job of it. Go Gus. Frank's beating you. <laughs> Frank's beating you. <laughs> Bragging rights. <laughs> Corey, I want to ask you a little bit about the game day videos. Um, you've been on different yeah. locations, different approaches. Yeah. How have you found that the videos have changed a little bit since we're moving from early dark days, 0-2 start, yeah. roared back, and then the wheels fell off again?
1: Like uh- it, It's been a roller coaster, honestly. it's uh, Some days we're in there motivated, ready to go, and then I'm sure you guys have seen sometimes it's a tire fire, right? We're fired up. We're not too happy with where the play's going, and... <laughs> I voiced my opinion. I mean, there's, uh, we've got a research and development team behind this that uh, knows what they're doing. Shout out to Curtis, Tim, Drew. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to
2: do, it's exciting, and uh, it takes a lot of energy. I need a nap after those. Well, I love the passion but, because you go full into it. You go, in my opinion, you go full Don Cherry. You're, yes. you're yelling, you got the takes, you're around trucks. I like the hitch thing from the other day. That was obviously great. <laughs> Fit. What kind of material are you planning for? Like, you got an, we got an early game coming up on Friday, tomorrow. We're recording on Thursday, by the way. This is a little bit strange, but that's okay. Weird. What do you got planned for the Ducks tomorrow? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Can we I can't a, be telling you guys these
1: secrets. Uh, okay, you'll see when it gets posted. Okay,
2: yeah. okay. <laughs> what I want to get into next, we talked a little bit about Dallas, um, about Ken Hitchcock's defensive approach in 31 thoughts yesterday. Elliot Friedman talked about the immediate impact he tends to make with teams. So when he got to Dallas, they went from 260 goals against to 222 in his first year. Obviously that's a big chunk of, big chunk of offense in Philadelphia. They went from 192 to 166. He coached 62 games in his opening season with Columbus. They dropped from 276 to 244 in St. Louis. They dropped from 228 to 155 in his first full year. Dan, what do you think he is going to make the biggest impact in in the defensive zone where do you see it well i just think i think for him it's
5: it's a it's he's kind of got that gerard gallant kind of approach to things where he doesn't he doesn't ram it down your throats when you make a mistake and i think that's huge for guys like russell and and nurse the guys that are the middle of the defense that are logging some minutes you know we saw larson get absolutely danced by uh logan couture there uh on tuesday night not a great and look no it wasn't great but you know he he uh he's not gonna he's not gonna stick larson's nose in it and that's that's what matters
3: he's and, gonna be like larson's gonna beat himself up for that oh yeah like, no, he's exactly. a pro hockey player he's got he's got he ego he doesn't want that has to has pride yeah well
2: no, and you and, don't want to be you don't want to be the dude losing your jock on a highlight that's going to get replayed over and over and over again
5: no exactly so it's it, i think it's going to be, be good for the good for the guy's confidence back there. Uh, and then also it, it can't hurt to have the forwards helping you out all the time now.
2: Well, I thought it was interesting too. When he talks about if you buy in, I'm going to push you. And if you don't take it personal, you'll be able to get something from this. So I'm curious to see what he's going to do. He talked a lot about supporting each other. I thought it was super interesting, Rick, that his take on our centers is that they don't touch the puck nearly enough. And when you have a center like Connor McDavid, thinking about getting him the puck more, Makes me happy. He talked about maybe doubling his touches.
0: Doubling, Rick. This is kind of why I think uh, he's going to really help Connor's game a bit. Uh, He sees what we see, obviously. Although um I'm Assuming he also sees that he doesn't really have anybody inside the top six besides those three centers, but uh, that's besides the point. Thanks, Pete. But no, he's gonna. Uh, he, he knows what he's got to do out there. He's got to get the puck in, in your playmaker's hands. Um, when it came to Dallas, that's what he did. He got the puck. You know, he got the puck to the, your your scorers. He got Medano and 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 uh, Zubov used to kill us, absolutely throttle us from the point. I hated that guy for years because he was so damn good. Uh, no, Hitch is he's. He knows what to do, man. You got to win by scoring goals and that's what he's going to end up uh, helping the guys do.
5: One of the big things too, I think is that Hitchcock rec- recognizes the value of a Ryan Nugent Hopkins. As I was second, just about
1: to say that. Yeah. yeah. We, we haven't mentioned that name, but I mean, a, a kid like that, that works hard, obviously his defensive prowess, um, you could turn that guy into a Patrice Bergeron. Yep.
2: I was talking about it upstairs before we started. I'm really excited to see what he does with a guy like Nuge because Nuge is a hardworking kid. He's open to coaching. Um, he just wants to do what it takes to win. And the quote from yesterday that just sent my heart a flutter was, the thing that goes underrated is that I'm able to keep Connor and Leon together because of the good play of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I'm able to play those guys together because Nugent Hopkins can carry his own line. He's capable of, he's capable of that stuff. He's a very effective player. So saith Ken Hitchcock. Ken, what do you think about that?
3: Yeah, that's, uh, that's accurate. Nugent Hopkins <laughs> has always been an underrated player because, you know, first overall pick, he doesn't really put up that many points from like you like we've been so spoiled with first overall picks like McDavid Matthews, Nathan McKinnon, Tavares like come into the league and they just light it up. Whereas Nugent Hopkins like more of like a like a 50 point guy that plays really well two ways and that's really undervalued. And I think that Hitchcock can get more out of that and like like you guys said, like turn him into a Bergeron player. And every team needs that guy. You need that guy to shut down the other the other you know the other team's better guys. Do you have
2: concerns though about who's playing alongside Nugent Hopkins. That,
3: that is a huge concern. Like One thing the Oilers badly need is both Kyler Yamamoto and Pooley Yarvi to be able to develop into top six wingers because those probably are the two guys that fit on Nugent
1: Hopkins' wing, especially if we're diving into McDavid and Dryasaddle being like the thing. Corey, you were nodding like, your head. Well, because Nugent has never had a supporting cast on his wings, right? I mean, he's always been out there battling by himself with a bunch of no-names, and if we get a guy like Pooley Yarvi come up and become a legitimate top six NHL player with underneath Ken Hitchcock... You might as well get Hitchcock his statue right now. I mean, that's what we're looking for. That's the guy who I think is gonna have the biggest benefit from Hitchcock too. Nooch?
2: No, uh, Speaking of Pouliarvi, Bob Stoffer tweeted out uh, a couple of days ago. Don't be surprised if Jesse Pugliarve rejoins the Oilers by the time Edmonton hosts Dallas next Tuesday. In three games with the Condor so far, Pugliarve has three points. You got a scrap, although we got you gotta dummy a little bit. But you know what? He was fighting a guy with a whole at least whack he tried of yeah. AHL fights, and he didn't back down. So I give the big man credit. Dan, do you think it's too soon to call Puliyarvi back? Last last week on the podcast, we were talking about him being down for a couple of months. Yeah, here we are. You know, a week later.
5: I wanted to see him. Well, and that was, and and I mean, of course, what can change in a week, right? With uh, with McClellan leaving, and and in comes Hitchcock. But and apparently, there's a been a, there's been a lot of talk about. Making sure that Pulyarvi's uh you know, traction gets gained with with uh Hitchcock as the coach. But uh I don't know, it's it's tough because when you bring in Pulyarvey, somebody's out. And who is that person? It's looking like it probably Ty Ratty. Um and- Can you
3: imagine what Ty Ratty's reaction was when he saw Hitch as his coach again? Yeah. He's in St. Louis and he's like, This guy just never played there.
5: From Bexle, now Hitch is back. The- you have the numbers there for right from
2: the 2013-14 season until 2016-17, Ty Raddy played under Ken Hitchcock in the St. Louis system and only got in 30 games over that span, Corey. So all I can imagine is that Ty Raddy, when he saw the news on Tuesday morning, he let out a big audible fuck.
1: Well, in all honesty, his play has not impacted. I mean, does he really does he really earn a spot in the lineup right now? I don't think he does, honestly. Since last year, he was on the top uh, line with Connor. He played well this year. He's done absolutely nothing, in my opinion. So, I mean, why would we not give Pool Party a shot? I know that obviously there's no secret. McClellan and Pool Party didn't see eye to eye. Um, I'm sure Ken will give him a fresh breath of air here, give him a, an opportunity to develop into the system on the top uh, spot, right? So,
2: for a guy like Puliarvi, I think that having a new coach and a fresh start is probably going to be a breath of fresh air for that guy in the sense that he was coming out of the lineup. Others were staying in at times when you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing to not be in the lineup when this guy's in the lineup. And I'm really curious to see how Hitch treats him and whether or not this is going to be the start of something beautiful for our big adult Finn. Large adult son.
0: I don't think uh, Todd and Pete saw eye to eye on some of the roster moves. Uh, I know for a fact after Everly got traded, Todd was pissed. He moved out 25 goals, sure thing, eyes closed, no problem. And he brought in Strom, which was not really uh, an effective maneuver. Uh, I honestly, yeah, that's why I think that's where I think uh, Puli Arby went, uh, where things went wrong with him this year is that Chia said he's got to be here. Todd said he's not ready, put him back down. And they, but it heads for a while, and Todd's like, "Well, if you're going to force me to play this guy, I'm going to put him in an area where he really can't hurt the team as much because obviously he didn't think he was ready to roll." And he put him in the black hole on the third line with those uh, those two guys did absolutely nothing.
5: Yeah, it's yeah, it's been a tough uh, tough season for Puliyarvi so
2: far. So, do you? Does anybody buy into the narrative that Todd McClellan lost the room? I do. Do you? Yeah, what do you think? I do.
1: I it just it kind of seems from the effort that was given in the last couple weeks that some players have kind of tuned him out and i mean it happens in the nhl and when you don't breed success consistently and maybe the approach that he had not the honest approach that ken has that maybe some players start to turn on him lack of effort lack of caring what he had to say and i mean that's obviously becomes cancerous
5: well and one of the one of the common things we keep hearing from people that leave the organization is that the communication is lacking and that's not changing it's it's been years after year after year And also the other thing that we heard all last year was that they wanted to stop the McBlender and that never stopped. So it just it just seems like he wasn't listening to the feedback he was getting.
3: The nice thing about uh, Ken Hitchcock, I found this article when he was in Dallas last year that came out of a a Dallas website and he was talking about working with the younger generation of players. And the quote says this is from Hitchcock. He says, I find when you talk after a game to this younger generation, they can't remember what you said. All they remember is whether you were happy or mad. So they're missing the message. So the next so the next day you have to kind of like dive into what they did and why they have to do it rather than, you know, giving them an emotional reaction the night of because they're not going to absorb anything.
2: Well, and I wonder too, like one of the things we often hear about Ken Hitchcock is that he's just consistent in his messaging over and over and over and over again. So he says sometimes you may not like what he says. But he's going to be consistent, and I think maybe that's what the Oilers need right now. They need a little bit of that structure, uh, a fresh breath, a fresh look. Teach the guys how to play defense. Because they're a young team too, right? One of the youngest in the league, if I'm not mistaken.
5: Well, and I also heard that in this time since he last retired uh, up until now, he's been studying sports psychology. So he's been working on uh, you know on how to communicate with with the younger generation because he said with what the millennials he's dealing with he's, he said he's dealing with i generation yeah he he
2: was talking he went past now. millennials kum he's yeah. you're an old guy now i'm a fossil he's I'm now welcome. dealing with
3: he's now dealing with gen Z. one of us one he's dealing one with the ipad us. kids man he's it's like we're a
1: weird bunch <laughs> and you know Kimmy looks kid. like a d- dinosaur right i mean he really does he's 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 from the old school but he's got a new school approach to this. And you can just tell in his interviews that the way he brings himself across, it's a new style. And that's what you got to do with this, I guess. Gen I is what it's called. Do you think he's going to communicate with the younger players with memes?
2: Oh, he showed them some memes? Because <laughs> that's like the language that. that they speak. You get some dank memes in there. and It's like, here's how you played. Like, he just shows Jesse Pugliarvi like a meme that explains exactly what happened. He's just like, oh, OK, now I get it. Now I'm with you. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's a fresh approach.
1: You should just look at Euler's Twitter from the other night. That was entertaining in itself. All the Ken Hitchcock avatars coming up. And oh, I'll, yeah. I'll oh, talk. that's... That was, you that know was what? enjoyable.
2: That's one of my favorite things that's happened from this is everybody changing their, uh, their Twitter pro- profile picture to a Ken Hitchcock reaction of some kind. The man's face is so expressive. Thick new daddy. <laughs> Thick new daddy indeed, but you know what? It's like I was looking at Tom McClellan reactions and the dude's a statue. There was no difference in his face whereas Ken's a lot more expressive yeah it's found some beauties
5: he's an absolute beauty I've got him at the award show with uh, the old aviators on his head
1: (laughs) I got him lifting uh, the weight yeah (laughs) I got him poking out from the bench. And I mean, that our last few coaches, they all have personalities of a wet cloth, you know? And Ken yeah. <laughs> coming out here. I mean, that even just the picture of him like when he was at the winter classic in St. Louis Blues get up. Oh, yes. I mean, he, oh, it's he, he knew what he was doing there. With
2: the big aviators and, a and the topics. Okay? Oh man, and when he had that old timey hat on, get out of here. I love it. Uh the second half of the Weathers Nation radio podcast brought to you by our friends at Get Sauced. Go check them out at getsauced.com. Dan, you were out there the other day. I heard that they are finally getting closer to preparing radio silence. The ingredients are in house. I saw them in a bag.
5: Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been super wild for the guys over guys and gals over at Get Sauced. They, uh, they're, they spend about one day a week in Edmonton and then they're on the road listening to the ON radio podcast on their way. But, uh, I guess Dustin said that, yeah, he just needs to take a day where he can get this radio silence all into a vat and uh, and let that vat stew and, and grow.
2: Part of me is very happy about this because Jay has been dreading the next round of Coombs Trivia for weeks He's now. He's been talking a lot of shit. It's been, yeah, he was talking a lot of shit. And you know what? It's been carrying over. Now it's in his brain. Now it's in his wheelhouse. We are occupying space in Jay's brain. Yeah, he should charge me rent. Because I'm living there right now. That's right, and I just can't wait
3: to get this and done. Hey, on the bus when I was doing trivia, I didn't see Jay answer a single question.
2: Even when we did a fake run upstairs with no punishments whatsoever, he was he was dawdling on his answers.
3: Yeah, he he came upstairs and he's making fun of uh, making fun of the boys for not being able to name ten of the top twenty Swedish scores of all time. And I'm like, all right, we'll take out the Sadines, and you name ten Swedes. And it took him about forty-five minutes, and he named like three guys. Well, that's what I'm saying, right?
2: And there was no punishment. There's no pressure here, Corey. No wow, pressure that, on Jay. That's
1: embarrassing. Seriously. Come on,
2: Jay. You can be better. Weak effort by Jay. Thanks again to our friends at Get Sauced. Go check them out at GetSauced.com, 9620 58th Avenue or 780-462-2418. Don't like calling people? I get it. Human interaction is hard. Sales at GetSauced.com. Boys, I want to finish off with some more Hitchcock quotes because the guy is just, he's speaking to my soul. He was asked about what's going on with Milan Lucic yesterday, and I thought he had a really interesting quote about what he sees in Lucic. And the fact that it came after only 24 hours, who knows how many Oilers games he's been watching this season, but I love the quote. He says, there's a reason he doesn't score. He goes into a support position on the ice too quickly. He doesn't hold his ice. If he holds ice longer, he's going to get a ton of chances, off shin pads, off skates, but he doesn't hold his ice. If I can get him to hold his ice longer in critical scoring areas, then he'll be way, way more effective. And I think Cassian could do the same thing on the other side. Corey, did Hitch nail it again?
1: Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, I th- I think he feels like he knows where he can tweak Lucic's and Cassian's game to be better, to get to a more offensive prowlness. I just, I have my doubts. I have my doubts. The guy seems like he's holding uh, like a rubber stick, and sometimes when the puck goes on his stick, it explodes. I, I just don't have any trust in him right now, to be honest with you. Hopefully, Ken can just breathe a little bit of that magic into him. Even if we can get five goals out of Luch for the rest of the season, I mean... Is that so much to ask scoring
2: prediction for Lucic? Should we revisit what happened last week, Dan? Uh, yeah, we sure can. Jay down coming in the mix. He's trying to throw us off our game because he oh, just huh. Picking up the trees. He's the truck. he just heard us talking shit about him because radio silence coming soon. Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> Let's revisit the score predictions oh, from yes. last week. We're going to get Corey in the mix on this as well. Dan, do you remember when you said he would score?
5: Yeah, thir- this coming Thursday against the LA Kings at home.
2: Uh, this coming Thursday
3: against the LA Kings. Cam, do you remember what you said? You just said before the I just end said of the before year, right? before New Year's and I'm going to edit that prediction so it's a lot less vague. So I'm going to say he scores on New Year's Eve against the Jets and he and he just cracks into my prediction of pre-New
2: Year. Right behind me, Rick said that he was going to score in Calgary. Well, Womp, womp I still think the game right before the Christmas break, Tampa, Luch is coming for you. Corey, we're going to put some pressure on you now. You had a chance to look at the schedule.
5: Oh, yeah. Chris also said something about Pittsburgh in February. I think it was.
2: Oh, yeah. Chris, Chris <laughs> didn't have very <laughs> much. Uh, he didn't oh, love have very much. At the World Hockey Championship in June, <laughs> yeah. when he's representing Team <laughs> Canada. Sorry. Back so Luci has off. two goals in his last 67, if I'm not mistaken. Corey, you've had a chance to check out the schedule. What are you thinking? You know
1: what? Honestly, that, uh, I hope it's not till New Year's. I really hope it's not. And I'm going to put a little bit of faith in the guy. I'm going to go uh, December 7th. We're at home, Minnesota Wild. A few games ahead from now. Ooh. Maybe K- Ken Hitchcock takes a week or two to tweak his game. But December
2: 7th versus the Wild at home. We've, got, pots. we've got an array of guesses here, Dan. Yeah, we do. We have got a wide Someone's spread. Someone's going to be correct. Somebody nails it. What There should be some kind of prize for anybody who nails it. They're the answer for an hour. Well, I can't be the answer, Dan. I don't play in the Oilers. <laughs> hey. Come you on. Wear the, you can wear the belt. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a belt and I'm gonna wear it everywhere because I feel like I deserve it. Before we get to the next topic, I want to go ahead and give a shout-out to Damien. Uh Manuel gave us a tweet at ON Radio Podcast on Twitter. He said, Can you give a can you give my son Damien a shout-out? It would be so rad. Well, Damien, I see you wearing an Oilers jersey here. You look great. You're in your full kit. You got a nice little vapor stick there. Great tape job. Strong tape job. Looks great. Mouth guard hanging. I like it. Cam, thoughts? He's
3: got a good look for a young child. He's got better style than I ever had, even as like a 16, 17-year-old playing midget.
2: <laughs> I can tell by the by the way he's standing, by the way he's just kind of got a strut there. Just, this is a confident young man. This kid Shh. looks like the kind of kid who would uh, take the
3: body, like throw a big hip check, even in like novice. Shout out Damien. Damien, go out
1: score Keep the your head goal, up, buddy. kids.
2: Oh yeah, he's gonna throw a bow at you. So I want to get back to the Lucic comment where Hitchcock said that he is not holding his ice. Cam, what do you think that Hitch sees in that? I think what you're seeing with Lucic
3: is he's taking like a lot of like long circles. Like he he kind of looks tired. You know what I mean? Like he's rather than stopping and starting, he's you know, going to a spot where he thinks he can maybe pot a goal. Like it looks like it's weighing on him that he hasn't scored. So he's like, I'm gonna to go to the front of the net. And then, you know, rather than being in a better spot to actually contribute to the play.
2: I also I've said this a bunch of times. I think I even said on the podcast, it drives me crazy when Lucic is on the power play. And instead of screening the goalie, just parking yourself there, he always slides off three feet to the left. He's like trying to provide a low option or whatever. But when you can't pass, don't be an option. Just stand there. Smitty made a ton of money standing there. No kidding. A ton of money. And Smitty could pass. Well, he had that big old canoe paddle. Like Nobody's not going to... He's just going to send it wherever he wants with that thing. Corey, what do you think that Hitch is talking about here?
1: I mean, maybe Luch should take some notes from Smitty, right? Go to the canoe paddle. It wouldn't hurt. I mean, it's not like he's got an Ovechkin curve right now that's picking corners, right? So, uh, I mean, you know one thing I noticed in San Jose is that uh, Ken was double shifting Connor and a lot of quick shifts, right? Maybe that will help Luch each quicker shift. He's not looking so dog tired out there and having that quick 30-second burst up and down the ice and then obviously his ice time is probably going to get limited if connor's getting double shift right so i think possibly with shorter shifts tweaking the system a little bit and then of course uh, the defensive zone hopefully that all contributes to him getting up the ice and you know what just put your ass in front of the net that's all you have to do there's no rocket science to do it
2: i like the i liked when hitchcock said he just needs to stop talking about how he's not scoring that's right. It's not helping anybody. Just get out and bang and crash. Throw your big body around. He does a lot of that stuff generally, but he, he the play dies on his stick so much that it's so frustrating to watch. I just that third line the other day of Lucic, Brodziak, Cassian, they looked really good, Dan.
5: Yeah, I think a big thing for any big guy in this game is confidence. And I think when a guy is not and and it. Hitchcock kind of spoke to it when he said, like, stop talking about how you haven't scored goals because it's just not it's just not a part of his game anymore. It, it's just having that confidence to go out there and hit somebody and then that and have that be good enough and and not have to worry about, you know, well, I'm on the second power play. So I got to contribute offensively like it's just not. Well, He was style. definitely
0: doing that uh, hitting thing in the in the last game there. I saw him a bunch of times. He was on the ice, maybe seven or eight shifts and had probably nine or ten hits. Yep. He was he was that was definitely a focus for him. You could see it. He was out there trying to do that stuff. But when it comes to his uh, hitches quote there, I honestly, I believe it's that in front of the net stuff, like bag milk was saying, whereas, you know, he stands there and when he's, turns away as the shots coming in i think he's looking at by support he's looking for that rebound he's trying to get the puck off the boards if it's a missed if it's you know going wide of the net or something like that and hitch's point is you know you stand there and he said it, it goes off his shin pads Zass, whatever that's what he's referring to stand there wait for that shot to get past you turn around you know if you're he's a big dude your goalie's not going to be able to see very much you're going to have another defenseman there with them too right So now you're talking two guys standing in front of him. Uh, That puck's going to get through. You turn around, and then you start whacking at it. And that's where the goals are going to come from. He said, you know, just around the crease. That's how Smitty scored the goals. He stood there. If it didn't go off his face, he turned around and and swatted him in. And that's really going to help Lucic's game because it isn't a finesse game. It isn't between the blue lines. His whole game is... You know, put the basketball key in front of a, in front of a, uh, a NHL net, and that's where he's supposed to be. He's an in the paint type of player. Bang home the rebounds, deflect something, get him off your shin pads, get him off your ass. We don't care. Earn that six mil, and I still say he's going to have four to five goals by the end of the year.
3: He's better in front of the net because sometimes when Lucic skates, when he looks tired, like Lucic, some big skating, he looks like he might have an asphyxiation.
2: Hey, word of the day. Boom, There's, word the, of the day. Boom, boom. We got, of got the day. it in. Right there. nice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> word of the day. Wow. Cam's sliding it in at the 40-minute mark. I just remembered. Corey brought up a good point where he said that Connor's being double shift, which I love. If Connor can play 60 minutes, and that's the play. But what I'm, at, what I'm wondering about is Cooper Marodi right now, Cam. He last, last game, he only played 459. Is there a point in having him here if he's only going to play 459? No,
3: this is this like he had such a good thing going down in the AHL when there was when there was Tyler Benson. Evan the intern just walked into the room, rolls in an hour late, he rolls in so unbelievable. So late. He hasn't he didn't bring he didn't bring brunch for anybody. He te- sent me a text and sorry I'm going to be late. I'm uh I'm going to buy brunch for everyone, but that didn't happen. But Cooper Merodi had a great thing going on down in the AHL with Tyler Benson and Cam Hebig. They should get that line back together because I feel like sooner rather than later that line could come up and be aligned together for the Oilers. Who do you think, if Marodi's going down, who fills that roster spot? I think Poole Yarby comes back up, and then we might see, I don't know, maybe Spoonman play some center. Cuddles, you would think Cuddles moves to the middle? Potentially. I mean, what other centers are there on the roster if Drysaddle's a winger now? Because they traded Ryan Strom, who, while he was extremely underwhelming, was a pretty good like defensive center.
2: Sure. Yeah, actually, it's kind of interesting that they traded Ryan Strom, what, a handful of days before Kent Hitchcock shows up because he's probably like a Hitchcock kind of defensive player. no? Mm-hmm. What I'm wondering is a guy like Marodi, there's do you think there would be any interest from the Oilers right now in picking up a guy like Marco Dano, who just got put on waivers this morning? Um, he has struggled. Uh, he got put on waivers. This is the second time this season. Obviously, Colorado is not thrilled with his zero points in eight games. <laughs> Do you think like a, right a stopgap like that is kind of what the Oilers should look at doing right now, Dan, and send Marodi back so that he can play more minutes?
5: It's arguable. I mean, when you get when you get uh, waved twice in one year, it's probably a significant showing that you're actually an AHL player. Um, but I mean, you're not going to hurt you're not going to hurt Marco Danos' development by having him ride the pine for you for a couple of weeks. Um, what's that? Oh, that was just uh my
3: my my sound went up. I had an auto ad that showed
5: up. Oh, nice, perfect. Uh, yeah, you're not you're not hurting Marco Danos' development if you have him riding the pine or up in Popcorn uh, Alley up there. But yeah, it's tough to have Cooper Marodi sitting up.
0: I don't think you games. need to bring anybody in. Uh, Cooper can go back down and keep playing in the top six down there. You've got Russell up here already. Uh, Jujar is very capable of playing fourth line center, third line center of whether you want to call the broads. Cassian, Luch the third line or fourth line. That doesn't really matter. Uh, Jujar can play that other spot. I don't think you need to bring in another, uh, another contract. I don't know what his con, I don't even know what he gets. So you do JJ Russell and. Who the hell's left? I don't know. Go through the raw.
1: Marodi. I mean, uh, did I hear this accurate? Uh, Ken was saying he didn't play Marodi enough because he didn't know what his name was. <laughs>
0: He said there was, there was one guy, he said, I don't know what That's his name was. I, I went up sure four different names. I called it four different names. The guy didn't go on the ice once. And I think by the end of the game, they had a, they had a nickname for him. And yeah, no, that easily could be him. If you the Oilers fans, like you grab a random sample size outside of Rogers
3: before a game and you asked, who is Cooper Marodi? How many people would know who he was?
0: I'll put him in a lineup and no one's picking him out.
3: <laughs> yeah, 30% maybe. Maybe at best. Nobody could pick him out in the crowd. Like if he came to the pine after the game, <laughs> would anybody no. recognize him?
0: Well, he's, he's been there he's coming a couple of times (laughs) rick would recognize he's coming he's
3: been in the the cooler a few
0: times he's he's been in the fight once or twice uh no you know i don't i don't think hitch wants a a young guy on the uh the back on the bottom six like that i think he wants a veteran type of guy where he can throw them out in defensive situations and be completely reliable so i don't see a young guy being um who he wants down there it's gonna be someone yeah someone older someone he can just trust and he's He's an, old, he's an older player type of guy, and that Cooper's no he's got to go back down and play down there with those top six, and they'll just use someone else to kind of fill the spot for the next 60 games or whatever it is.
2: Brad Malone. <laughs> this might be the time That's where you sense. actually get Brad Malone back. Uh, looking at the next couple of games, finishing off the California road trip, then Anaheim tomorrow, then they play the Kings. What are you guys expecting from the next two games? We start off, big win, big win for hitch. Dan, what do you think in the next two? What's your prediction? I'm
5: I'm liking our chances against Anaheim. I just uh we we aren't the same uh Matinee team that we always have been. So I like I like us against Anaheim. I feel like we're maybe set up for a bit of disappointment against the LA Kings, though. I think they're really they're right? one of those teams wow. that, that's bad, yeah, but no but we uh, no, no love from Dan. We we go up against lesser teams like Calgary and we, we lose to them. So you know, it's just uh it's one of those things. But uh yeah, no, I I think I think we'll beat Anaheim tomorrow. We'll probably probably lose
2: to uh, LA. Corey, what do you think? You're shaking your head at Dan well, and I agree.
1: I like honestly, I think that LA roster, I mean you want to talk polar opposites. If we might be the millennials or gener- generation I the LA Kings, I mean, that's, those are baby boomers out there. Right? <laughs> yeah, they're like, geriatrics. Yeah. They move Honestly. like baby
5: boomers. Man.
1: <laughs> They've got some bad contracts on that roster. You look at the multiple years that they have for 35-year-old plus players, it's it, it's ugly. And I mean, we complain about Lucic. At least we have one contract. They have like four or five guys that they're, they're going to be disasters in a couple years. And I think that's a team that we can outskate and beat easily. <laughs>
2: what do you what do you see in the next two? Are, you, are we sweeping?
1: We're sweeping this Cali trip. That's no what doubt I think about too. it, man.
2: I think, too, we're sweeping California camp.
1: The Oilers
3: are good against the Pacific Division. They didn't show it against Calgary and Vegas, but these are the teams that they're built to beat. Like Pistol Pete put together a weird roster, but it's a weird roster that competes against. And we're the Pacific going with it. Well.
0: I'm completely on board for the California sweep. It's uh, yeah, California no, dreaming, man. We got this. We're going three in a row, and we're coming back home. And Hitch is going to be raised uh, off the plane. Everyone's going to carry him to the bus, and it's it's. We're going to that play. We're going to the playoffs, boys. Let's go.
2: Battle of Alberta in the playoffs. I I see it happening. Battle of Alberta in the playoffs would be fantastic. This last break brought to you by our friends at Get Sauced. They've got the sauces. They've got rimmers. They've got all the accoutrement that you need to make your meals and drinks everything they can be. Evan loves them. Evan was even thinking about replacing ketchup as his favorite drink with some kind of sauce, like some kind of curry sauce. Get Sauced. Evan finally
3: mixing it up. That's good to see because he's been a ketchup guy for... About, what, 37 years now? Evan's Evan's in his mid-40s. I know it's kind of a weird thing, but he's an intern. He's in his mid-40s. He's been drinking ketchup since he was
2: 15. Quit his job as an insurance salesman. He was going door-to-door trying to offer people life insurance. He's just like, you know what? This is not for me. I'm a 45-year-old man, and I need a new start. So he went to school, went into that Nate TV and radio program, and here he is with us, drinking ketchup. We can't even keep it in the office anymore.
1: Ketchup's the fountain of youth?
2: Apparently. Look at him. Looks great. Him, See that? How, him would, how, how would you rank Evan's Movember stash, Corey, as you're looking at him? Oh, geez. There's a Movember stash there. <laughs> Can you put that into the light a little bit more? Yeah. Two out of ten. Just two more and I'd give you, Evan, to be honest. Uh, boys, this is a little bit of an interesting weekend here in the city. Great cup. Dan, I know you're excited. You love the CFL. You're a big CFL guy. I am a huge CFL guy. I'm more of an
5: Eskimos guy than a CFL guy, but... Uh, yeah, I know it's exciting to uh exciting to have the championship game here. Something Bad, that the got couldn't make th- the playoffs?
2: Something that got thrown my way, Dan. Right before we were going to record is the story of Chris Matthew. If you don't I'll know who more. if you don't know who Chris Matthew is, this man is a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan who's been wearing shorts for 17 years until they win the Grey Cup. He makes you look like a sissy boy, Dan. Yeah, You've still got 16 years to go. Yeah, Catch up to Chris Matthew, and I wanted to get your immediate reaction on somebody that could arguably be more dedicated than you.
5: Well, you know what? Chris Matthews, you know, shout out to him for wearing the shorts for as long as he has. He's he's waiting for a championship in an eight-team league versus me waiting for a team to do well that's been bad for 13 (laughs) years. But uh, you know what? Shout out to him for doing that. Uh, but also, he's not running kilometers after every loss, and I'm just gonna just gonna leave it at that. Well, you don't know that.
1: You don't well, know that he might go fair. for a nice hike. He might be.
5: I haven't read the piece, but uh,
1: and in all honesty, all his losses is what total eight, maybe ten. Is yeah, exactly you've got yeah. like forty five, fifty to go. I do,
5: I do. I've run fourteen. <laughs> I've run fourteen kilometers already this year, this season.
2: You did not have a very fun run on uh Saturday night Dan
5: Saturday night or Sunday night Sunday night I got ill afterwards, so that was good it um, could also be
2: a product of wearing shorts and running
5: yep yeah, very very likely very likely part of uh one of the key factors into that but uh yeah a, r- a run from Singapore Sam's to the hotel was a sad sad run.
2: Uh, I found this quote from, uh, Chris Matthew to be a pretty interesting one. It's like, it's almost like I've become numb or used to it. It's just like, well, you know, they'll find a way to do it again, meaning lose again this year. And I mean, I don't want to belittle the team or anything like that. I just know they're not going to do it. I have to wear shorts for the rest of my life. Dan (laughs) thoughts. That's, uh,
5: yeah, it started to feel like that last year day three seventy, you know, three seventy one was a, was a long one. Um, but, uh, yeah, it can, it can, it can get a little, uh, little draggy when you're pushing your car out of the, out of the four inches of snow and, and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a grind, but Hey, we're, uh, we're fans of the team through and through. So
2: you've also been accused of jinxing the team with this short stunt. I know I have with my beats and when, uh, when, uh, this bombers fan, Mr. Matthew, he was asked the same question about whether or not he's jinxing the blue bombers. And he says, I really don't think so. But if they came up to me and made an overture and said, would you do it so we could win? I might consider it. Yep. Meaning putting pants on. If the Oilers approached you and said, Dan, put some damn pants on. <laughs> Absolutely. Would you do it?
5: I would. If Connor McDavid approached me personally, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm demanding. Yeah. Peter Shirely walks up to me and asks me that I'm saying, no, hell no. How about you fix the team first, Pete? Why are you
2: talking to me, Pete? Yeah. What are you expecting from the Grey Cup this weekend, Dan, with the Ottawa Rough Riders playing the Saskatchewan Rush Riders? It's the Renegades. Get it right. Oh, it's the Renegades. (laughs) It's
5: the Ottawa Red Blacks playing the Calgary Stampeders. No, it's the Calgary Rough Riders. Uh, The Calgary Stampeders have uh, traditionally not been able to close out a lot of championship games recently. Uh, They did win it in 2014, but uh, have lost to both the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Toronto Argonauts in successive years since then. So they're uh, they're looking to close it out and it'll be a heavily anti anti uh Stampeders crowd, I believe.
2: Rick, I I saw I drove past the pint this morning. I saw you guys are getting set up for the big game on Sunday. What are you expecting?
0: Outside of all the drinking we'll have to do from about three o'clock today till I don't know, maybe 2 a.m. Sunday night. Uh, I'm going to sit back and pray that Calgary loses again. I don't think I want to cheer for them in any way, shape, or form. I hope their uh, their train system shuts down. I hope their, ro- their roads get slippery. Like, I, I don't want anything good to happen from them. And, yeah, no, I will definitely have a little more ammo if I can uh, use the fact they've lost three Grey Cups in a row. I'm not going to hold my breath, though. I'm kind of worried they're going to win, but I've been like that for the last two years. Anyways, they've got a pretty good team there in Calgary. They've got a really good team. Yeah, no, they come in every year. We are kind of expecting them to, you know, they're pretty much uh, already in the the final, so I'm not hoping for too much. I'm just going to sit back and uh, enjoy all the festivities from here till the end of uh, Sunday night.
2: Cam, you've been looking very excited through this whole conversation. What do you think about the Grey Cup on Sunday? Are you expecting big things?
3: which one of these teams does Henry Burris play for
2: Dan?
5: Neither. Neither. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh,
2: okay. Henry Burris is not playing this week. Henry Burris has played for both of them. though. Of course he has. I mean, there's eight. we well, didn't have many options. Yes. <laughs> At
5: Coom, you well, were a uh, CFL
3: quarterbacks is like a game of musical chairs, man. Like every quarterback plays for every team in the league.
5: You took, uh, you took part in the festivities there yesterday. Coom.
3: I did. I went to the, me and Chris, the intern went and uh, did that skiing thing it's like they constructed a skiing hill out of lego how'd you do i made it down without a problem whereas chris went down and did pizza the whole time oh he pizzaed he pizzaed the whole time i got a good he went pizza. straight french fry he, i i went i went straight down and i, I was toppling people over i was um <laughs> i had my arms out i went like eddie the eagle style and i was like look get out of my way i'm gonna i'm gonna barrel you over those so poor Coom, kids
5: <laughs> so Coom on the ski hill is the same as Coom at the saddle dome just barreling people oh over God.
2: out of the way if Coom had a life motto, that's what it would be. It's just out of the way. Corey, what are you thinking for the great cup? Are you excited? Are you a big rough riders fan?
1: Oh, I'm pumped. Can't wait.
2: Who, who's playing
1: again? <laughs> the red blacks and the stampede. <laughs> all right. So I think the rough riders will take it. No doubt about it. No, you know what? Uh, in all honesty, I'm assuming Calgary's going to take it, but uh, I guess that Ottawa quarterback, not even sure what his name is. I quite the uh, East final. Um, I don't know. I hope Ottawa wins so we don't have to hear anything else from Calgary. That loss on Saturday stung, so I'm done with that city. And you it's, know what? The people of
2: Ottawa could use something to cheer for, I think. Isn't that the
1: truth? Yeah, I
5: think we can all be happy that there's a championship game being hosted in Edmonton at some point.
1: I see what you're saying. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm looking at you with hatred in my eyes right now, Dan. You can't see this because it's a podcast, but if looks could kill, Dan would be laying hey, on the floor right hey, now. Hey, you guys have been taking your shots. I got to take my shot at my own, town, my own sports teams. I am tired of this. So we are going to wrap up this episode of the Oilers Nation Radio Podcast. I want to have a big thank you to Corey for joining us today. Happy
1: to be here, guys.
2: No teasing on the video for tomorrow. We're going to have to wait and see what happens there. I want to thank our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant. Go see them, 2540 Broadbourne Boulevard. Give them a call, 587 860 Thank you to Get Sauce as well. Give them a call, 780-462-2418. That wraps up episode 13 of Oilers Nation Radio. Bye-bye. Best wishes.